The Real Chemistry Podcast connects the dots between our guests and the innovative work they do to show up and shape the future of healthcare. Why? So you, the listener, are encouraged to join us on our relentless pursuit to make the world a healthier place for all. Some may call it idealism. We call it real chemistry. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and host of the Real Chemistry Podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We are going to do an episode that we recorded internally here at Real Chemistry with our CEO, Jim Weiss, our global head of facilities, and Jim's sister, Beth Weiss, and a couple of guests, uh, my colleagues. And it's in honor of National Coming Out Day, something that happened back on October 11th. But you'll learn a little bit more about the day, what it commemorates, why it's important, and then we'll get into some real discussions about why it's so important and what it means to the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, and so please stay tuned and listen in. We wanted to get started talking today about this particular topic. It's National Coming Out Day is our area of focus. And uh, thanks to Mike Nelson for giving me some um, context on this, because like many of you, I thought that this was a relatively new occurrence. It's actually a 30-year-old event started in 1988, uh, October 11th, because it was the one-year anniversary of the first National March for Gay Rights in Washington, D.C. So you learn something new every day. Uh, And then in particular, National Coming Out Day celebrates LGBTQIA plus individuals living their authentic selves while also helping to enact social change. Um, The HRC reports that people are more likely to advocate for LGBTQIA plus rights if they have someone close to them who identifies as a member of the community. And by amplifying their voices and stories, we can help to form more authentic conversations and in turn pave the way toward a more inclusive society. So I think that's something that's important. Um, Quick tidbit about me, uh, because I think this is important and Jim brought this up as a relevant tip. Uh, I have two daughters that both came out in the last couple of years as uh, bisexual. And so I will share a little bit about that, but this is a cause that is very near and dear to me in addition to loving Beth and loving Jim and, you know, our other LGBTQIA plus colleagues. So with that, we're going to talk a little bit about this experience. And that was Beth coming out to her brother, Jim. This is back in 1991. Uh, We had some good chuckles over this the other day. Uh, because of the fact that the, the story, I had never heard the full story before, but I guess, you know, with that, Jim, let's talk a little bit about your recollection of Beth coming out to you. Um, and how did that play out for each of you? So you'll, I'll let you answer and then Beth can jump in and and tell her side of the story. Well, I mean, I, you know, I have, again, we, we could have this wrong because as we were talking about it, we both didn't remember certain things about it. Um, but I remember being in a golf cart. Can we at least align on that, Beth? Um, yes, we were in Arizona. We were in Arizona. We were in a golf cart. Um, there might have been drinks involved, but I, I imagine usually there were around, you know, that time frame. I think we were trying to get away from, you know, family members. So there were definitely drinks, definitely drinks. Um, And Beth told me, and, you know, my immediate reaction was, and I blurted it out as I often did. I said to Beth, does this mean I'm not going to have, you know, nieces and nephews? Um, And which is like, really, it's all about me, right? 
And then quickly afterwards, uh, after a couple other, you know, we don't need to share crude remarks, apparently, that Beth reminded me of. Um, we we went straight back to being the close siblings we are. And I gave her my 100% support and love um, and, you know, proceeded to get schooled by her girlfriend and then wife. You know, it turned out to be uh, on any number of occasions um, over the next five or seven, 10 years. Um, and Beth can relate on some of that. And I think after a while, Beth actually had a very diplomatic, soft-spoken approach to it. Her, you know, girlfriend and wife, not so much. Um, But I I liked it. I think ultimately it was good to get acclimated and taught some things very quickly. I think, Aaron, it was interesting, the fact that you brought up that this is a 30-year-old issue, Um, you know, and certainly longer for many people. And it just goes to show why doing this work is so important and having these conversations because people don't see it until, you know, they're hit over the head with it. And that's what the problem is. And that's the point of diversity and inclusion. And, you know, I will tell you that I inherently never excluded or, you know, felt like people of any type couldn't and shouldn't be part of the party. It just, you know, I think there's this almost um, benign passivity that occurs in all of these things. We've been learning around Black Lives Matter and so many other things. People have been dealing with this, even if, you know, we aren't dealing with it, they are. And we have to hear from them. So we'll, we'll move on to Beth quickly. But I, I, I do remember that you know, I started in a somewhat crazy place and I, you know, have ended up through this thing. And we both experienced our own, I guess, outsiderness when we lived in a small town and the whole town was Catholic or Christian. And we were two of the few Jews in our high school or even in elementary school. And people thought that was a church um, where I grew up. Yeah. And thank you, Jim, for sharing so authentically, because I think that's one of the things I love about you is that you are, you always tell it like it is. And, you know, I think it's not easy for any of us. I know when my daughter, our first daughter came to us and then our second daughter, it was like, look, if you're happy and that person makes you happy and they treat you well, then that's all I care. I don't care what they look like or, you know, any of the other details. And so really that's the thing to focus on. Beth, I'd love to hear your side of the story. We know what happened in a golf cart. There were drinks involved, but uh, what was that like? And was it intimidating, you know, when you first decided to do this? I think if I remember the prep, you said that your family was, you know, embraced it pretty quickly, but you know, what was it like telling Jim? What was it like telling your family when you first came out? So we come from a family of um, privilege, first of all, I should say that Um, I was a very lucky person. I had great parents, great brothers. I never knew the difference between anybody because my parents never told us there was a difference ever. So how lucky was I to never know a difference between people? And um, honestly, I wasn't even afraid to tell anybody. I was, first I had to meet somebody. When I I moved back out to California in 1990, um, I had no idea I was a lesbian then. Um, I had met somebody in Laguna Beach that said to me, uh, two weeks after I had met her, we became fast friends. She said, Beth, you're a lesbian. I said, all right, I'll take a look at it. 
And then I didn't do anything for two years after that, except go to, you know, I was out at gay bars and hung out with a lot of gay people and enjoyed my lifestyle in Laguna Beach. Who wouldn't? Beach, lesbians, gays, everybody. Just a fun time and um, continuation of college, I guess. And then um, I went out with one person and then a second person and the second person ended up being my first love. And she broke up with me after two and a half months and broke my heart. And I ended up in Arizona with my parents and Jim. And um, two weeks prior, I had told my older brother, who was already an LGBTQ plus A ally, he did the 1987 March on Washington. So I told him and his response was, loved you then, loved you now. Have a wonderful time in Arizona. And then um, I was in Arizona with the family and I told my mother and she said, "What?" I said, I broke up with the woman and I'm heartbroken. She said, what took you so long? I've been prepping your father for months. And not that my father would have had an issue, but I thought what she said was hysterical. And then um, Jim and I were out playing golf. We pushed our parents out of the way. And, you know, I told him and he did respond by saying, what about, um, will I have nieces and nephews? And I said, well, you probably wouldn't have had nieces and nephews because I didn't want them before I was a lesbian. (laughs) I still don't. So, I mean, I didn't want my own kids, but I do love all of my nieces and nephews. But um, they love all of you. Yeah, I love them. Um, and so from that time on, I I mean, it was still 1992 when I came out, um, I lived in Orange County, California of all places where there was a lot of hate. Um, the 62% Republican base was, you know, planting their signs right up and down the streets of Irvine. And it was relative to prop eight. I said no to prop eight and everybody else wanted to say yes, because it was basically saying that the only true marriage was between a man and a woman. So um, there we go. Um, Where I found it sad, very saddening was up until 2015, I did not have the same rights as my brothers or my any family members. So 2015, I became equal in the United States. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry it took so long because that that's BS uh, between us. But Beth, I did want to ask you something because you brought up the the brother connection a couple of different ways. Um, but you and Jim are twins, and you know I have to imagine like Jim, I, if I were in your shoes, I guess in your sister came out. Like, was there ever a question of like, well, you know, what does that mean for me, or am I, or you know, how did that that relationship? Because I I think you have a very close relationship, like. Uh, what, what was that like? I mean, I think I talked to Beth about it. I mean, I, you know, again, I had a lot of things you can't believe one says, but it's there. Um, and you're like, well, does that mean I am, or is that some reflection onto me? Um, and realized over time, no, it's not, you know, I think you really empathy is an interesting thing. And, you know, it, and we're twins, you know, we're actually fraternal, you know, obviously fraternal twins. Actually, we have two different blood types, right, Beth? I, we just found that out, which I think is kind of crazy. Um, it's that different. It's like just having two separate kids, right, at the same time. But, you know, I, I think um, what it did for me and what happened actually almost contemporaneously was that my boss at Genentech came out. 
at almost the same time. And he was married with kids and that, so Beth didn't seem like a massive leap to me, but, um, you know, and, and she hadn't told me yet. Right. So Greg, that happened before Greg's coming out Baird, which is not an unknown thing. And I've told the story to other people here. Um, you know, his coming out preceded Beth and it was because I ran into him in LA because this is what happens when you know me. So you're going to run into me somewhere you don't want to run into me. Right. And, you know, that's what happened. And he was in a car full of men, one driving who we knew was gay from Ketchum, you know, public relations, an agency we used. And he had actually been moving a lot of the business to catch him. And we didn't know why, you know, we were kind of wondering, and then, you know, this made it clearer. Um, but it was like totally out of context. Right. Whereas Beth's situation, you know, when I talked to her, so I had a little bit of prep, I guess, if you will. So the shock value of what perhaps Beth was telling me was less of one relative to that crazy incident where, you know, me and Laura Lieber, my boss at Genentech, you know, literally they drove up next to us on Wilshire Boulevard in a convertible. And we were driving around there and happened to be there at another point. And you you just could not have, there's no reason that happened. There's just, how could that happen? Um, And then I was off to meet Beth with Laura and I proceeded at the, I was in like, what, a state of, I was, I was crazy. I was like you, talking to myself. You walked into the hotel room and you said to me, I just saw Greg and he was with a bunch of gay men on Wilshire Boulevard in a convertible. I remember be, I was there. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, but this um, preceded you coming out to me and I'm thinking like, you know, I don't know. I'm sure I was, I was ranting. Like I was like almost because I'd known him so long and he was the guy who brought us out to Genentech. And so I had so much, you know, more short circuit there. And then Beth comes and and tells me this not much longer after that when we were golfing. So I was like, Oh my God, all the stuff that I, and then I still proceeded to say, am I going to have branch, you know, nieces and nephews? Cause it's really again all about me, but um you know, it, it's like what these things do for you when you have these open conversations. And it's so weird because we, what, that was 1992, three, Beth, what, what was the year? Right? 1992 is when I came out. But I you also, cannot, I also yeah. had to come to Laguna Beach so she, you could start to see me in my element, although right. I hadn't, right. you know. Right. You know, that was great. You know, and meet my friends that. and go to. Yeah. I, I took you to a well, one time I took you to a gay bar in Los Angeles. I know. And I felt, I think I told you, I felt like I couldn't move. Like I, I just wouldn't go any, like I felt like my legs were attached to the floor, like, like concrete pillars. Like I just was like, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd ever been in a gay bar. So I just was like, so I like this thing you asked the panic, you know, there's like a panic you have around it. And then once I realize this has nothing to do with me, that's her, this is me. Again, this is what, how many people play these things. Like it's all through your own lens. You project. It's like, it's not about you, you know? And that's what the whole thing about, you know, diversity and inclusion is. It's like, 
I'm me, and this is us, you're you. You got to see color. You got to see sexuality. You got to see that stuff. That is something our parents did say, actually. They didn't say people weren't different. They did. What they said is you don't treat them differently. You know, they're not, you know, they're not separate beings, right? And look, we went through it ourselves, and they grew up with it, certainly. Um, And in some ways, you know, I think aggressive and violent ways. And that's, you know, something that informed my upbringing. But in the, at the end of the day, they taught us to be tolerant, right? And that was the ultimate point. You know, it's, it's tolerance and accepting, you know. And I told you, I, I've really gotten to the point where dumb and lazy are the only things I really can't stand. Which you shouldn't, right? Um, thank you for sharing that, Jim. Beth, I do want to bounce back to you. And this is something that came up during our prep conversation. Then we'd love to get your take too, Jim that it's a lot different coming out now than it was in 1992, right? We have a lot more, I think, TV shows, movies, not that it's easy by any stretch, but it's, we have more familiarity with it. So I guess, you know, if you were coming out now versus back then, like what would have changed if anything, Beth, or, you know, would it have been exactly the same? Do you think? For me, nothing, because I, I live, I lived a good life. I mean, I had a mother and, one of her best friends talking about me coming out and they were, they were sad back then that I wasn't living my authentic self as, as a grade schooler, as a college person. And to be perfectly honest, I guess the difference would be I've been out now for 30 years and without, with a lack of a better way to say it, I'm the best Beth I've ever been because I don't have any baggage, not any, I'm me. And I I don't know whether anybody read Sally Sussman's um, article on LinkedIn, but she was saying that coming out was one of the most productive things that she did. And why? Because there's, you're not sitting there worrying about whether or not somebody knows or doesn't know, or, you know, and again, I was very, very lucky from that standpoint. I said uh, in a conversation the other day, I lived in Orange County, California, clients, I, I owned a company where clients would ask me, you know, are you and Jean together? That I would answer, sure. We were, you know, I never said no. I made sure that people knew that I I was a lesbian. I never provided information, but if they asked me, I wasn't going to lie. And then sometimes I did provide information because I was with HRC. And and in order to get the word out and and get people to feel comfortable, like Jim talking about he was frozen at, at a gay bar, you got to keep telling people, hey, we're just the same as you are. You know, we're just as boring in certain rooms of the house as you are. We're just, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. And so getting back to your original question, Aaron, is it different now? Not for me. Yeah, you didn't really, you, you know, Jean took us to that bar. She didn't really say that's what we're going to do. Right. So there was, I told you, like she sort of, it was trial by fire. You know, she was testing that and that's how she went about it, which is why you're not together, you know, ultimately a many, among many reasons, but, you know, we came to your wedding, you know, mom put the wedding on at the St. Regis Dana point, you know, that was beautiful. Um, you know, my kid walked in it, you know, it, you wore the two wedding dresses. We celebrated that, you know, you see, as time goes on, it's terrific. And, and this is the point. It, it, no one really, you know, 
it's how do you want to respond to it being it's difficult there's like a tendency to be militant about it because you know no one sees or hears you and that's a thing to go through life i mean gene had been out much longer and had been ostracized and had gone through a lot of bad experiences as a result at a time in orange county where she grew up Right. We didn't have that. You weren't even that aware. I think it's one of your questions. Beth really wasn't a practicing, you know, gay woman until she was, you know, into her 30s, essentially. And, you know, or late 20s. So the point being, you know, if you don't experience that, imagine the, the pioneers who did and they were getting beat up, assault, you know, and then. Others have talked to us about their experiences of being black or Hispanic or brown and all these other things. And, you know, you, you end up having to deal with that. Um, so I think that's why she was the way she was. But it didn't make it easy. You know, it wasn't easy. Beth, I mean, all of you know Beth and many of you, you know, she does it with such, I think, warmth and compassion and positivity. And that also certainly makes the journey easier and better not that it should be for anybody i'm sorry you know you don't get that pass right you got to learn and you got to be cool but i'm just saying it just certainly made it i'm giving her a compliment you know in terms of how she dealt with it and no i never saw anyone come at her negatively she didn't invite that well so i wanted to ask a follow-up question jim because you know it will speak to our privilege right our white privilege we are middle-aged white males and we do have people that probably don't have friends or family that are gay or LGBTQIA plus, you know, what do you do or what have you done when you've had someone that maybe is snickering or making some comments, not knowing that you have a gay sister and how do you react to that? Like, how do you handle that? Do you call them on the carpet or do you try to gently correct them or where, where do you take that conversation? I say I have, but I mean, I always say it. I mean, I have a lesbian sister, you know, and you want to tell everybody. I tell everybody. And, and you I'm know, okay that's with like, that. Well, I tell everybody everything. But I also say, look, I I think I told you the story. I went to a concert, dead concert, you know, where truck guys in the parking lot with the swastika flag. And I walked up to him and I got in a truck with him. And I'm like, I'm a Jew. You want to have a beer with me? Is this meant to, you know, intimidate me? And my friends, they talk about it to this day, you know, and they were like, wow, why'd you do, you know, why'd you do that? And how can you do that? And I said, well, you know, I, it's just, again, how I was generally taught. And this again is best. This was in the late eighties before I had known about best, but um, it's just sort of my general approach to it. I'm not trying to be militant or even confrontational. It's just, you hit it head on. Right. Beth says that, you know, I used to hear commentary. I used to think I heard it, you know, and I would confront it publicly all the time and you know you can't get in a fight with everybody right that you see around or you can't get into it but I think once people are disarmed and they realize you know oh I know someone who knows someone it does tend to but again we are in such a different time and place so Beth was reminding me of the story that I was putting a you know uh, uh, an annual report to bed in LA and I was on the flight to the National White House Correspondence Center. And uh, I was on the flight with Ellen and Ann, which was essentially Ellen DeGeneres is coming out. 
And I didn't know that at that moment, but it was probably best, very, again, contemporaneous to the time you told me. And then I ended up being on the CNN coverage because I went up to their table and talked to them and told them, you know, I had a lesbian sister. Which, you know, anything to make me relevant to stars. Awesome. Well, I, I do have uh, maybe one and a half more questions. And then I know we have our special guest who's going to ask some additional questions. But Beth, you know, how have you ha- handled it? I, I know you are a very direct, you know, loving kind, all the things that Jim said, but I'm sure it has not always been easy. And I'm sure there have been people that have taken issue with it. And like, how do you deal with that when someone comes up and wants to get in your face about, you know, the fact that they think you're different or that being a lesbian somehow is you know, something that they don't agree with. Honestly, Aaron, no one's ever gotten in my face about it. Um, I can say that I've, I've gotten kind of in people's faces about it. Like I talk about our hometown, you know, I was able to walk down the streets in my hometown when I was in my thirties with my ex-wife, Jean, and a friend that I grew up with, Patty Ann, um, she was never able to uh, walk down the streets hand in hand with her girlfriend. And she had a girlfriend way before I had a girlfriend. I mean, she was a lesbian for as long as we knew. And um, she said, Beth, if I walk down the street with my girlfriend, I won't have business at my, my print shop. And she was right. I got to leave. I got to go back to LA or to San Francisco or wherever I lived, but she didn't get to go back. So she still doesn't hold her girlfriend's hand. She's probably the one we should be talking to right now. I just saw them that we just saw them at that concert, right? And they still don't, you know? Yeah. And they, you know, they've been together forever. She's only ever had two girlfriends that I know of and they were both long-term, but, but that's what I do. I, I join things like HRC and, you know, say, Hey, we have to level this playing field and you know, where it comes into play is right now. I mean, high school kids, they don't care the way we did. They, they don't, and maybe we set the way for them. And I don't even think I set that way. I think it's the people from the seventies, the eighties, you know, and you know, I just, I came out at a time right when AIDS was almost on its way out or they had at least stopped it in its tracks. I didn't even get to advocate for that, you know, but others did. And those people that came before are paving the way for everybody now. So that's a good segue to the last question before we get into the, the Q&A. And that is that, um, you know, I think this is all related to how we treat diversity and inclusion. And so how has your family experience, both of you, you know, led to your approach with clients, right, from a diversity and equity and inclusion perspective? Beth, I'll start with you. It's again, it's so important to share these important things. We're doing it now. We're doing it with the DE&I things that we've created here. And it it only started really last year where we really, really delved into it. And these things are so important to share with clients that the more you spread the word, hopefully more love will be shared. More people will start to open up their minds and not, not be stuck in, in what they were taught by their parents or their grandparents or the ignorance that, that has come to, to into play. Again, we all, last time I checked, when we cut ourselves, we all bleed the same blood. Okay, one of us is a different blood type, but, but we all bleed the same blood. So mine's, let's all mine's just, orange. you know, I mean, I'm going to compliment Jim right now because 
I used to be a brooder. I used to think, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And in 2014, the light finally came on. And I said, you know what, Beth, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. And if you want your life to be a certain way, it's you that has to do it. And you know what happened? I went like this. I allowed people to come in and I pushed my love out further than I've ever pushed it. And since I've done that, my life is better. And that's what people in this world need to realize. You have to keep sharing love. You can't look like I look at everybody and I think, you know, they're having a bad day, but I'm not going to jump into their well. It's them. It's not me. I'm going to keep my positive demeanor. I'm going to stay happy. I'm going to be healthier for it. And I'm going to continue to spread the love. And that's what all of us on this call have to do. That's what all of us in this world have to do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough to beat, Beth. Thank you. That's such a great message for everyone. And I'm Jim, I guess. To stop myself, but Wendy's sitting next to me crying and I've been trying not to the whole time because this is emotional for me. And, you know, I grew up with it and, and you have a question here. Did you know in all the years that that was what was going on with her? And she didn't know because she didn't let herself know. And that's what she just said. Right. What she said is that she didn't allow herself the right to be happy. Right. Whatever that ultimately meant. And that is really sad, you know, and you could see points in her life where she'd be angrier or less fun. And, you know, you almost like sadomasochistically, like keep yourself from having fun and love and happiness. And, you know, we see this stuff that would go on. And of course we, you know, that put it into her weight. I did, you know, we all just, that's how we looked at it. It was so much more complex than that and so much more, but ultimately fundamental, right? When you suppress who you are, even if you do it unconsciously, it's going to come out in all the wrong ways. And, you know, again, hallelujah, they can do it. You said the thing about the family thing. And I saw a question in here about, you know, how do you talk to someone who's coming out non-binary? And Aaron, you and I understand this. You've been dealing with it with your kids. My kids are like, are you fucking kidding me? Like they're teaching me all this stuff. And they're like, what losers if you even have an issue with not understanding it or parsing it, the people coming up now, are like, this is just standard operating procedure. But I think best point is really the best one. It doesn't matter who you are, what everyone's carrying something. You everyone's know, carrying um, something, yeah, for sure. And it's really about, you know, it doesn't mean you have to carry it everywhere you go into every room, you know, um, get rid of it. That's so anyway, my advice. compliment to Jim was this. Jim has always been a nice guy. I was the brooder. The point being, I followed Jim's suit and my life has kind of been better, you know. Be like Jim. I love it. Um, With that, we are going to bring on a special guest. I had uh, foreshadowed this. It's Mary Kate Griffith, who is the senior admin uh, assistant and has helped put these questions together. I didn't mention that earlier because I didn't want to tip the hands. Mary Kate, I know you and Mike worked with some of our broader employee base to get some questions. And then there are a few that are in the chat. And so why don't we tee those up and ask those of uh, Beth and Jim and myself too, if you feel like you'd like to. And Mike, thanks for joining us. Of course. Awesome. We have some really good questions that came through in the chat. So I kind of wanted to start out with those. Um, Beth, could you give some advice for people who may be anxious or stressed about coming out to their family and friends? 
you got to do it. I mean, <laughs> my advice is that you have to do it for yourself because you can't live right by yourself if you're not true to yourself. So, and they could, I don't know who they're coming up against, but it's not about those people. It's about you. And you just have to keep hoping that, you know, you'll still be okay, even if they're not, even if they don't accept you, it's not about them. It's about your authentic self. Absolutely. Um, This is kind of for anybody, you know, anybody who wants to participate. Um, We often hear, I'm scared to say the wrong thing um, from friends or family members of people who are coming out. Um, So what advice would you have to those people kind of on the other end of things um, who don't want to say the wrong thing? Well, I think when we're talking about pronouns, you know, you worry all, I worry all the time. Oh my gosh, I just said guys, or I just said, I just said ladies or something. You know what? Just apologize. We're still getting used to this thing. You know, they, they was singular, then it was plural. Now it's singular again. We have to learn this stuff. So it just, you just apologize. I do it all the time. And people are so grateful for the fact that you're even trying, you know, they appreciate it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's it's knowing and just being humble about it. I mean, it's the same too with diversity and inclusion. And sometimes you say the wrong thing and you ask, say, sorry, I, I think that wasn't the right word to say. You know, what what should I have said in that case? Or how should I be phrasing this? And being humble about it, right? And I think being willing to learn and accepting and to Beth's point, if you apologize, because we we will get it wrong. I mean, my daughter, Olivia, has been with Amanda for two years now, and I try to mostly say they, them, but once in a while I screw it up and I immediately correct myself and apologize and, and you move on from it. So that's a, that's a good one. I think we kind of have time for one more question. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing in the LGBTQIA plus community in the next five or 10 years? Like, what are you really excited about? Why don't we start that with Mike? And then say, have- Mike, can you handle that one? Mike Nelson. Best practice lead for integrated comms. Um, you know, I think a, a doubling down. I mean, I think I think that there is this tendency to kind of think that um, you know the the war has been won and that the gains are permanent. Um, and I think you know in the political environment now, you know, I mean, like we see that that's not necessarily the case. So I think you know part of it is you know almost like a defensive strategy of you know defending the, the the progress that's been made, but but also, you know, uh, keeping, you know, kind of a forward um, looking agenda um, at the forefront too. I, I just think, you know, it's it, the, the, the gains are, are more delicate, I think, than, than, than people think. Um, and, you know, we have to, you know, we have to keep staying involved in organizations like Human Rights Campaign, other organizations that are specifically supporting trans people, we've just got to, we've got to keep doing the basics uh, and keeping the pedal to the metal as it relates to, you know, having an agenda for everyone to live the, the life that, that they should be. Awesome. Um, with that, because I know that we're at time, I do want to thank our esteemed panelists here. Uh, so Beth Weiss, Mary Kate Griffin, uh, Mike Nelson, and uh, Jim Weiss, thank you all for joining us. Uh, This is Aaron Strout, the CMO of Real Chemistry and the regular host of the Real Chemistry podcast. We talked about a very important topic today. So thank you all for sharing your authentic selves. The more we talk about this stuff, the easier it becomes. And, you know, we need to make sure that we just continue to have the dialogue. So thank you all. Thanks, everybody. Want more episodes of the Real Chemistry podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
the Stitcher app, or iHeartRadio via the Health Podcast Network. Go to realchemistry.com for more info.